offered by Equitable Bank. We take banking personally. Here's your host, Michael Sevier, on 1620 The Zone. Empty set, no backs. Snap back to Smothers. Steps, throws down the middle of the field, passes. In and out of the hands is dropped by Trey Palmer. He had it, got knocked loose at the 32, and the Gophers will take over on downs at the 47. Kind of a microcosm of the day. Almost, what if, good effort, right? All those things that we've been using to describe this football team. Welcome back. Severe reaction. 1620 in the zone. See, there's an example. Two things happened at the end of that game that the thing it happened to, the person it happened to, knew better. Logan Smothers knew that he should have run on that third down. There was all that room in front of him. The throw he had to make was to Alante Brown, and he was in a spot where he was between defenders. It would have had to be the perfect throw. There was no way he was making that throw running full speed. But Logan Smothers is a runner. He runs to the corner easily. He gets that first down, and then you see what happens. And then, obviously, Trey Palmer, who is one of the best players on the team, knows he has to make that catch, knows he has to secure it. He double clutches it. He gets hit from behind. He drops it. In the, in the less than two seconds after that drop, he's laying there on the ground. Watch the close-up. He grabs his face mask and just, you could tell, knew that was it. Knew that the ball was on his hands with the game on the line and he dropped it. I'm sure that's going to haunt Trey Palmer for maybe forever. It's something he'll remember. In a game, wins and losses always matter. But in a game that in the entirety of his career probably won't be the most meaningful, I'm sure he will dwell on that for years to come. Horrible drop. He makes that catch 9 out of 10 times. But, like I said... In the heat of the moment, you make mistakes. You have poor judgment, like Logan Smothers, not running the ball there for the first down. It's one of those things where sometimes you have to have a little bit of luck. And by the way, Nebraska did get some luck last yesterday. If you look at that game, there were three or four times where plays happened where Minnesota made a big drop, right? Um, Minnesota made a mistake that maybe Nebraska would have made in the past. And they had some breaks, Minnesota put it on a platter for them. Did nothing in the first half. Averaged 1.2 yards a play in the first half. Down 10 nothing. And even when they started to get it going in the second half, they still weren't necessarily... They came out once on first down. Minnesota. <laughs> and threw deep. Remember that philosophy we were talking about? That's not their philosophy. It's not. Maybe on second and one, a deep shot might be part of their philosophy. Hard play action, we're going deep. But that's not their philosophy. They, they kind of got out of their gospel for a minute, but got back into it pretty quickly with Mo Ibrahim and their tight ends um, and a quarterback that's athletic and can move in the pocket and make some good decisions. 402-951-1620 is the number. Of course, it's severe reaction. We will take your comments whenever you want to provide them to us. Um, another thing that happened yesterday, and I always like mark down the big moments of the game, kind of as I'm going through it, my notes, I, I keep track of the havoc numbers, TFLs, sacks, PBUs, um, pressures, explosive runs, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I was going through just the big parts of the game. And that first quarter for Anthony Grant, 10, 10 carries, 80 yards. Um, that's incredible, by the way. <laughs> what, what a first quarter, right? To think that he only had 35 more yards after that 
first quarter is incredible to think about. But with Mark and I was going through, you know, the Purdy interception, which is another bad throw. Um, the way Ibrahim started getting the extra couple of yards because he was going against a tired defense, I started marking those down. Um, overall, Minnesota won the game exactly like P.J. Fleck would like to win it. Sure, you'd like to get a lead early and, and just, you know, get ahead by two touchdowns and win a game, but that's what he loves for his team. They fought. He can point to all the mistakes they made in the first quarter and then in the first half, and then he can say, look what we fixed at halftime, and look how we won with our backup quarterback, and look what we did here, and look what Mo Ibrahim did, and in the end, that's a win for him. He, he wants to sell that as his program. He wants to sell that. That's why the guys believe in him on his team. As, as tough of a win as that was for them, 20-13, grinding through, that's exactly what he wanted. He, P.J. Fleck got what he wanted out of that. There's no doubt in my mind at all. Um, after 9.30 today, we will talk to uh, Stephen M. Sipple from HuskerOnline.com. But next, we chat with Don Juan. Good morning, Don. How are you doing? I'm doing well, bro. How you do? I'm all right. You mowing any grass today? Ha <laughs> ha, no. <laughs> That's an old, I'm, I'm, we got to keep that one going. I, I, I appreciate every time you laugh when I say that. <laughs> I don't appreciate what you said. But anyway, uh, hey, uh, um, first off, I wanted to say that uh, my philosophy, man, you had brought me back with some good uh, memories, right? Okay. Now, right now, I wanted to say that, uh, like, what you saying that Trev Alberts only gets one hire? I don't. I don't believe that, bro. Oh, this is it, man. He, I don't. It, it, I don't if this either works or could you imagine four years down the road, Trev still being here and making another hire? No way. Yeah, I could. no way. No, he. Trev was ready to retire. They have a house built in Clemson, South Carolina. He was ready to walk off into the sunset, and he did this as a favor because he loves the university. That's why he's here. Period. He didn't have to. He's got money. He's good. He could go his retirement house, go live closer to his, I think, his daughter who lives out there. He could have been gone. He's not making another high in another four years if this one doesn't work. This is it. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, I don't think that is just the one and done for him. You know, uh, he hasn't even made a first hire yet. I know that's why it's so important. I think he knows this. This is it. This is his legacy. His legacy as the AD is defined by this hire for the head football coach starting in 2023. See, and 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 I say that it it's defined by the day he leaves, and does he leave it in better hands than it was when he got it? Yeah, and it's going to be with this guy, whoever he hires. <laughs> that's my <laughs> right. <laughs> now, uh, I wanted to say though, right, because you brought up the PJ Fleck with the. Adrian Martinez embrace at the end of the game. Oh yeah, yeah. And then Adrian was gone, right? Right. Uh, so uh, with him, with uh, Mickey Joseph, right? I think it could be similar to the same thing where he sees the writing on the wall and he just uh, lets God know that he did a great job. No, he does that all the time with all the coaches. When he wins, he doesn't necessarily do it when he loses, but he always does it when he wins. It's just the kind of dude he is. He he wants to motivate you because you lost, and right. and and I'm sure Mickey was fine with it because Mickey's kind of that guy too. But it's just funny. It's, it's so frustrating to watch that dude win, no matter when he plays Nebraska. That's four years in a row, dude. Four years. Yeah. Last time they did that to Nebraska it was the 1940s. Right, but now coming into the season, yeah, you know, I don't think we thought we were going to be favored in the game. 
No, but I thought this was a game at home that they had a good chance to win. When I was, when you're going through the seven wins, this was certainly one that I had as a you know better chance Nebraska would win than than lose at home against. And they had every chance to win this damn game. You know, better quarterback play. Yes, they did. Yeah, and and see, but that's the thing though, right? Is yeah. uh, I was thinking, like comparing this roster to the ones over the last twenty years, this has to be on the lower end, right? Um. I go both. I go back and forth. Like I think the. the I'm not pro- saying it's the worst. I'm no, I know. I know. I'm just saying. Yeah, go ahead. The way I think about it, Don, is that at certain positions, like it could, you can argue that Trey Palmer's the best wide receiver they've had here since maybe Maurice Purify. And I like Stanley Morgan, but Stanley's not the athlete that Maurice Purify was or that Trey Palmer was. You can argue that Anthony Grant's the best running back they've had since Amir Abdullah. Um, you can argue that spots, right? But yes, overall, offensive line and defensive line, it's poor. Compared to what it's been over the last twenty years, it is right. Linebackers, safeties. Yeah, and I mean Reimer. Reimer when he's healthy, and man, Gifford's really coming along. And I thought yesterday that uh, Miles Farmer had a really good day. Was right. coming along as a safety. I think that Newsom is a really good cornerback, um, and he's probably getting a little under the radar because of the the way the game is being played. But they have some good individual talent. But yeah, overall, it's it's certainly not as good as it was in the tens, twelves. 13, around there. Right, okay, and, and that's all I'm just trying to say. Yeah, that right. it, it does make it a little bit more tougher. Sure. You know, especially with the circumstances, when you're going up against a P.J. Fleck who, what, he'd been there five, six years then? Yeah, at least. I mean, he's beat Nebraska four years in a row, so they beat him once. I think he's been there <laughs> five. Right, that's that. <laughs> I think it's five. I think it's five years, I think. Maybe it's. Okay. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, so, so he's had a, a re- recruiting class be able to pretty much go all the way through, though. Oh yeah, sure. You know. Yeah, and he's had multiple quarterbacks and multiple running backs, and yeah, yep, no doubt. Yep, multiple wide receivers. He got there in 2017, so six seasons. Okay. Yeah. So, so by uh, you know his what third or fourth or fifth year, you know he kind of had it rolling, you know, and uh, you know whatever happens, I'm not saying that he's a great coach, and I would not want him to. Uh, Give me one of those embraces more than once either, though. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the he, second one, yeah. we could get into tougher. I uh, know. Hey, John, we appreciate it, man. Thank you, bro. Yeah, his third year, 2019, he went 11-2. Um, if you look at it, his his third his third year at Western Michigan, that's fourth year, they went 13-1. and one. His third year at Minnesota, 11-2. He is a program builder. He does do that. And they had the, you know, they had the bad year during COVID, but bounce back and went nine and four last year, and they're on the verge. Look at their schedule; they can get to nine wins again. They have they're in conf, in division for their next three games. I they could get there. They certainly could. And if they do, at Minnesota, that would be considered very successful. The only thing they have to do there for their fan base to be happy is to challenge for the Big Ten West, and that's where he has put them challenging for the Big Ten West. And that's that's his philosophy. Let's go to Red. Good morning, Red. How are you? Severe. Good morning. Good morning, man. I think that's the most consecutive African-Americans to call the show in the history of the show. Unbelievable, isn't it? <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> What's up, man? Hey, man, listen, we win that game if uh, Robinson wouldn't put old boy's head to bed. What's the quarterback that's been there since the renaissance? <laughs> Tanner Morgan. <laughs> yeah, Tanner Morgan. Yeah, I think uh, I think we win that game because, it, you know, he wasn't he wasn't trying to take the top off the defense. He right. wasn't forcing the ball downfield, and so we could have stacked the box. And continue to held old boy, hopefully to under 128 yards and a couple TDs. But uh, when the second string quarterback came in, he started. 
going downfield, loosening up the defense, and that opened up the run lanes for a boy to, to act up like he did. Oh, yeah. But isn't it funny how when we get to the quarterback, it actually shoots us in the foot? <laughs> now, moving forward, yeah. um, as you as you was telling Don Juan, um, this hire has to be the best hire for a draft. Okay, say yeah. he does make the ultimate hire and returns uh, Nebraska to respectability to whatever that next coach is. And I'm going to actually hold him to the standard of the quarterback, I mean, uh, head coach at Illinois. Yeah. He can turn that thing, if he can flip the script in two years, our next hire should be able to do the same thing. Uh, and I say that uh, based off we have out-recruited Illinois on paper for the last whenever. Okay, so the next coach that comes in, he needs to flip this thing over in two years. That's what I'm giving him. And that will indicate that Trev made the right hire in my book. Now, moving forward now, if Trev makes that uh, right hire, who do you see Who do you see replacing Trev? Because as you told Don, he wants to move to South Carolina and live in that dream house or that beach house, whatever. <laughs> who do you see replacing him when he... Uh, when he makes uh, the next the next hire for AD. Yeah, I would say this, Red, and appreciate the phone call, man. Have a great Sunday. It's a national job. It should always be a national job. When Trev is done, they have to get together, whoever's in charge of this, president, chancellors, everything, and, decide, and regents if they want to be a part of it. And it's a national job. You open it up and you go, we are willing to pay this much money for an athletic director. Go hire the very best guy. You know, <laughs> going back, ifs and buts are candy and nuts thing. You know, there, there have been guys out there who Nebraska probably could have gotten for AD. Instead of bringing in Sean Eichhorst, which was a recommendation from Wisconsin, right, and Barry Alvarez, and maybe went out and got, oh, Greg Byrne, right? The, the son of, what, is it Greg? What, whoever the, the Byrne that was here, his son, who I believe at the time was at Mississippi State, if I remember correctly, I think it's before he went to Arizona, or maybe he was already at Arizona before he went to Alabama. You could have went and got that guy and sold him to come here, give him a big contract. Whoever the next AD is, it's got to be a national search. It's got to be a guy who has had some success and is ready to take that next step and win here. And hopefully by that point, Trev has built the program to where it is a walk-in, turnkey, you can go. That's the hope. It doesn't have to be another person that's from Nebraska or that played for Nebraska or that has ties to Nebraska. It's got a, All these jobs need to be national searches. Give me the very best guy. I don't care what his tie is. I'd love for him to have experience in the Big Ten, but other than that, I don't care what his tie is to Nebraska other than he has won and built other places. Give me that. Let's take a break. Before we do that, we'll go to Mark. Good morning, Mark. How are you? Good. Hey, that was, that was Bill Byrne. Bill, hey, thank uh, you. Thank you. Bill Byrne is a dad... Uh, his son is Greg Byrne. Yeah, yeah. But Bill was the one who shared in Nebraska. Well, Greg, hey, uh, yeah, but Greg is the one that they should have hired. His son was was could have could have come here out of Arizona. He was actually here for the College World Series, Mark, and talked about how much he missed Nebraska. And they they end up hiring Sean Eichhorst. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you mean during that time? Okay. Yeah, yep. Hey, uh, um, I don't know what happened yesterday. Uh, I just found out Nebraska lost. They were up 10 to nothing after two drives. What, what happened? Did you go to bed or did you go out hunting or what did you do? Where did you go, Mark? You know, the, the whole thing comes down to uh, uh, Whipple really wasn't a good hire. Um, he, I guess he's another guy. If you have an established quarterback, he'll do pretty good. Yeah. I don't know why they did just didn't run Grant to death yesterday. 
Um, I don't know why he goes to air on first down sometimes. I, I know I'm nitpicking in it. They're 60 minutes ago in the game. But he also did this in that Purdue game when they went up 17 to 10 with about five minutes to go in the second quarter. And then he calls that pass play in case he throws that interception. Pretty soon they're down by 17. Yeah. So I don't know why they just don't run. They got a horse in that backfield. Just run him and run him and run him. And they should have done it yesterday. And it's too bad these both sides of the line just don't have the cohesiveness for one to help out each other. Then I guess we wouldn't be having these discussions. Yep. But um, I hope he does get a decent hire. I hope if it's not Mickey, I hope the heck Mickey is on this staff because he is a vital individual for the uh, future of this program. All right. You have a good day. You too, Mark. I completely agree with you about him being a cog in the recruiting process that needs to stay here. Here's the thing about, you use the analogy and you called him a horse in terms of AG, Anthony Grant. Imagine a horse pulling a wagon with square wheels. That's essentially what you're talking about running behind this offensive line. Look, I know, 10 carries, 80 yards to start the game, first quarter. After that, 11 rushes for 35 yards. 11 rushes isn't a small number. When you, when you run the ball over 20 times with one running back, that's not a bad thing. That's actually a pretty good thing. It's not 32 like Mo Ibrahim, but it's 21. You got to say to yourself, if I'm the athlete, if I am the offensive coordinator and I'm calling run plays, and I don't believe the scheme that they run is best for this team. They need more tight ends involved in the blocking. They need more secondary blockers, whether it is a fullback or it's a another tight end who's back there as an H back. Then you have to do more of that. Okay, but if you're running the ball with your scheme and you're not producing any yards. What are you going to do? You're going to do something else. You're just not going to run into the line where there's no holes. And so I think that's what ended up happening. When Minnesota countered, there was no run game counter from Nebraska, and so he went to the air. Yes, Whipple was not a great match for what Nebraska has in terms of their personnel or philosophy as a state when it comes to running the ball, and we said that. They have, though, put up some big numbers in certain games, and I was looking this up, and we'll take a break, but looking it up, through nine games last year, they scored 269 points. Through nine games this year, 230 points. Now, that doesn't translate into a big of a, big of a difference. I think it's like 25.7 and 20, 25.1, something like that, in terms of points per game they're averaging if you look at last year to this year. But the problem is they've had some games where they just go for whole quarters without doing anything. What happened yesterday is not a first. It's a third or fourth. More of what happened in Minnesota in the first half looked like Nebraska's looked several times this season. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll go to your phone calls, 402-951-1620. And after 930, Stephen M. Sipple will join us as well here on Severe Reaction.